Bienvenue sur Runway Series, le podcast d'Upcoming VC, la plateforme d'éducation au Venture Capital à destination des entrepreneurs, mais aussi des aspirants VC souhaitant comprendre les méthodes appliquées par les Venture Capitalistes lors de leur décision d'investissement ou non dans une startup. Je suis Raphaël Grieco, fondateur d'Upcoming VC, et dans ce podcast, nous accueillons des entrepreneurs, des investisseurs, mais aussi des aspirants VC qui partageront avec nous, lors de formats courts, leurs expériences, conseils et leur vision de la relation entrepreneur-investisseur. Ok, so thank you very much, Stephanie, for being here uh, tonight. It's uh, nine and a quarter. Uh, I mean, nine twenty p.m. today. Uh, it's a bit earlier your time because you are based in London, right? That's right. Yeah, and thank you for having me today. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, so you are Stephanie Obdam, and you are investor at Notion, Notion VC. And uh, today, the objective is to understand uh, who you are as an investor, uh, as a VC investor. Uh, what's your background? What has uh, brought you to, to VC? What's your uh, understanding of uh, what's happening currently in the B2B SaaS? Uh, what uh, your thesis is yourself? And uh, what's the thesis of uh, what is the thesis of Notion as well? And what uh, you're looking for uh, when meeting entrepreneurs and uh, when deciding to invest or to pass on a deal? and how you, you help uh, founders uh, when, uh, uh, when you have uh, invested uh, for the journey you, you will have with them for the, for the, the next three, five to, to seven years. So is it an agenda that uh, is uh, compelling for you? Absolutely. Yeah, that works for me. It's a, it's a lot to cover today. <laughs> So yeah, we will have a chat for about uh, 45 to, to an hour maximum. Just to, to, to make it simple um, at the beginning, um, could you please just um, uh, explain uh, who you are, uh, what you did before joining v uh, Notion VC and what you do currently at uh, Notion? Sure. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me tackle that in, in chronological order, I think um, would be most helpful to understand. Uh, so I grew up in the Netherlands. Um, uh, kind of north of Amsterdam, 30 kilometers north of Amsterdam. And I decided to do my undergrad degree in international business. Uh, and so that was in Rotterdam. Uh, and upon graduating, I uh, moved to London um, to do a master's in finance degree at the, at the LSE. And it was there that I kind of first got acquainted really with VC. Um, I, I took a, a course in private equity, uh, which covered VC. Um, and, and from there kind of landed my first job in something which is quite adjacent to, to what venture capital is all about. It, it officially belongs into the space, but it was a fund called Columbia Lake Partners. And at the time they were just starting up um, and, and, and I joined them as, a, as an associate, uh, worked on new transactions in kind of like for companies in the series A to C stages, uh, but more in the forms of, of, of loans instead of equity investments. Um, And from there on, after three years, I moved on to uh, to Notion. Um, so, 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 so two years ago, I I joined Notion. Um, yeah. Okay, so two years in. Um, so you said that initially you were not uh, exactly covering the, the, the equity, but uh, more uh, the, the loan side of uh, financing. Uh, what has uh, brought you to, 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 to consider this uh, kind of shift of uh, asset class? And what has brought you to, to do a more early stage, so VC, than a private equity? Yeah, good, good question. Um, I, I think 
I think at the time uh, I enjoyed certain aspects of the job I was doing uh, over over there, which is like, you know, the fast paced environment, doing loads of deals. Um, and so I did feel that I was roughly in the right sector. But but when you're covering loans, um, you, you very much uh, your first priority is looking at the downside, right? How do we get the money back on on a loan? And, um, and and you're not very concerned about like how big can this opportunity be? And also the moment you you uh, make an investment, um, you don't cover kind of uh, what happens after the investment. So you only manage cash levels, but you don't um, manage kind of um, the company itself. You, you get irregular updates um, and, and you don't get board participation. So, so these were kind of the two factors, I would say, the upside thinking as well as, uh, you know, knowing after you invested how the company is actually doing on all levels uh was what 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 kind of made me want to move uh and how i moved um uh was actually one, one of my first transactions um uh, uh during my time at columbia lake partners was into bright pearl uh, and which happened to be a notion portfolio company and so i had some some kind of like early ties with the notion team already and and uh, when i was looking to move over uh, I, I just called up a bunch of funds or actually sent them an email uh, asking uh, wh whether they were considering uh, hiring someone and, and that's kind of how i went through the kind of normal interview process uh, what was your, your key learning when uh, working before joining uh, notion uh, in private equity loan space what have you learned uh, about the job, about uh, the uh, specific mindset that you are still using today? I think I think what I learned there is the rigor and the importance that that financial data has uh, for me. Um, I uh, spent a lot of time analyze, analyzing uh, financial models of, of series A, B and C stage companies and, and, and made an investment mainly on the base of the financial uh, performance. Uh, and, and we did look at some other factors as well. But I, I, think, I think that is one of the most important skills that I learned there um, and that, that I've taken into the, the, the more traditional VC side of things. Um, it is knowing how, how to look at companies, um, but also what, what are good growth rates uh, from okay growth rates, uh, but also spotting early signs of like problems into particular departments. Or uh, I, I kind of learned how to look at the numbers and see the story of the startup unfold through that uh, instead of maybe the other way around for, for a lot of people, right? They, they first really talk to the company and then uh, and, see, and see the story and then see it reflected in the numbers. And I just came from it from, a, from, a, from the other way. Uh, is there uh, like a big difference, maybe the main difference between your, your, your job before joining Notion and now Notion uh, on everything related to costs? Maybe uh, before, as you were more on the managing the downside rather uh, than uh, uh, trying to, to maximize the upside. So managing the downside is mainly about reducing the, the costs at the lowest uh, level, whereas in VC, obviously, the current situation maybe has led to kind of a shift in mindset, uh, especially when it comes to cost. But uh, in VC, you would not typically uh, look at the costs so much and try to lower them at the, at the maximum. So would, is, th is this still the biggest difference between uh, what you did before and what you are doing today on, uh, from the cost perspective? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a terrific question. Actually, um, I, I think for the, for the most part, you're you're very accurate in, in saying that. So so at the time when I was there, I was always busy with like you know 
um, how do we cover the downsides? And that is, you know, partly I was investing in, in B2B software companies already at the time. And, and these companies have recurring licenses uh, with, with their clients. And so, you know, at any one point in time, how much revenue next month will bring in or next year will bring in if you apply like a, a little churn factor to it, right? Always a few customers drop off, but in general, those licenses renew automatically. And so knowing kind of what your minimum revenue levels are at all times, you're very much focused on the cost. And, and so I was using the cost base really as a buffer to see, you know, how, how much crash runway does this business have? Uh, and, and if the, the, the revenues are not coming in as expected, um, what can we do about this cost base to, to either uh, steer to break even or, you know, um, be in time to arrange some sort of exit opportunity or, you know, get a new fundraising round away. So, so yeah, I, I, was, I was very focused on, um, on, on the cost base uh, and, and the general cash runway. I do think it's slightly more nuanced than, than saying it's only the cost base just because we also held a few options uh, called warrants into those companies and, and which kind of meant that we also participated if the company did went on to do really well. So, so kind of calling a company uh, uh, to, to steer too much to uh, caution and, and being too conservative wouldn't be got good for our returns either because then we would lose out on the upside that we got through the warrants. Um, so so it, it, it was kind of an interesting dynamic to mention the both of them, whereas, whereas I think on the equity side, I noticed that it, it, it's a little bit more of a story, go, go big or go home, right? As you would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, totally clear. Uh, I understand that, uh, as you said, uh, the point is more nuanced between uh, those two type of uh, perspectives. But uh, I, I was uh, trying to exaggerate on purpose to to understand <laughs> if it was if it was something absolutely still critical. Right or, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's the main lesson to draw from it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Uh, so you said that uh, when you decided to um, to, to try uh, and join the, the VC world, uh, you were already having some connection with Notion, and uh, you you sent also a few email and connection requests to uh, funds you you had existing relationship with. But um, how long was the process to move from your your previous job to to Notion? How long did it take? And um, how did you prepare? Maybe uh, with a concrete example of uh, of what you, you you put forward when the meeting. Uh, Uh, notion partners and notion team uh, mm -hmm. for that uh, for that uh, objective yeah that's a it's an interesting question so i, I started a, uh, in in about like december january um so that was uh two two and a half years ago now um and i joined notion in what well, is it june of that year right so i i think the whole process itself the interview process took about four months and and that covered a lot of interviews um i think For, for each fund that I ended up uh, g getting an offer or got very late into the process, I, um, I had about 10 interviews. So it, it cost a lot of time. And so in, in terms of preparation, I first went on to you know, browse the news, probably like, uh, like, like everyone would do, uh, browse the news and browse the internet more generally on, on what kind of knowledge do you need to break into this industry um, and, and making sure that I was up to date with, you know, how to estimate market sizes and you know talk talk intelligently about some of the the, the current news items and trends that are going on uh, I, I think what helped me specifically is that i knew what kind of super skill i had if you if you want to phrase it like that um, I, i know that notion is very big on 
hiring people that have an extra edge to them. And, and I identified early on that, um, you know, this could be my analytical and financial skills uh, to, to help the team at Notion. And at the time, Notion was looking to move slightly later stage, so away from the seed investors into the Series A and, and B stage investments. Um, and, and, and so my skill set came in particularly handy at the time, which, which I was lucky with. Um, and so I made sure that when I had to do a presentation uh, on, on a company, um, uh, I, I went in on the numbers, uh, even though I didn't have like the numbers by hand myself, I just scouted the web, I made some rough estimations and, and I showed clearly like an affinity for numbers. Um, and, and I think that that helped me a lot. I think the second thing that I specifically uh, was complimented on is that I looked very closely at the, the investments that the fund has, had already done. Um, and then was able on the back of that to provide some some recommendations for for new investments and and the trick that I used there was you know and I, I knew that notion was looking for series A investments so I went to all the seat kind of portfolio um, the, the portfolio of, of uh, seed stage uh, VC funds and, and I looked at their their companies uh, and and basically picked out the ones I liked most um, and, and thought they would fit great with the Notion strategy and then offered them um, uh, kind of to Notion in a verbal manner. Um, and, and, and that that was something that resonated well. So you, you, you play the role of a VC when uh, doing the interview process uh, so that you, you could show your, your skills and uh, how you would be doing when in the job. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And uh, is it something that you would recommend to anyone uh, considering uh, uh, such, a, such a role to uh, analyze the portfolio of uh, the target uh, VC, try to find some, um, some, uh, some companies that could uh, fit uh, this existing portfolio and then uh, do some kind of investment recommendation to, uh, to, to the team to show that uh, you, you have already uh, a good understanding of what they're looking for? Is it something that you would recommend uh, anyhow to all the aspiring VCs out there? Absolutely. I think, I think that the, I mean, it, as we all know, it has gotten much tougher to get into the industry. And, um, and I think what, what we, and we just recently hired a new associate actually uh, that, that I recommended. Um, and so um, I, I think one of the key things that you want to show and, and that really has helped me. And so I, can recommend it is showing already that you have the skills and so there is minimum training uh, that need to be done usually when when VC funds I notice are, are hiring we're in the middle of you know we're heads on head on the water and that's why we need an extra person and and so not having to spend the time educating people on what our investment thesis is um, uh, but specifically focused on like how can we ramp up this person as quickly as possible? Uh, it it really helps um, if if you already know uh, the tricks of the trade. And and and, and a junior VC is uh, yeah the the our main role is bringing in new new investments, right? So um, mm -hmm. that would be the main criteria for hiring as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's totally clear. Uh, uh when you decided to to, uh, to move to VC, so you shortlisted a, a bunch of uh, VC, uh, all of them were VC active in the B2B SaaS space or were you also trying to, to see whether you could apply your existing knowledge to different uh, categories, different uh, business models or were you 100% focused on B2B SaaS? Yeah, I, I think at 
At the time I was applying to generic VC funds, I think most funds are still generic, uh, i.e. they cover both consumer and uh, B2B, and they cover marketplaces and software investments. Um, and, and so I was applying to generic fund, but always kind of on the lookout on whether, whether they had a position open uh, that allowed me to just do B2B software. I, I think I have the most affinity with B2B software I can analyze consumer place but in, in my eyes um you know consumers are irrational decision makers <laughs> um and and I, ha I i'm not able to predict i'm not the average consumer and i'm unable to predict uh what their next move will be and, and how often they will purchase if at all and, and so I, I feel much more connection with uh with b2b software in that sense and so, so yeah I, I i got for some funds um uh that, that was not a terrific fit um, and, and it didn't continue the conversations. And, and for some other funds, uh, I had to step up my game a little bit. Is, is it possible to move from uh, one side to the other, i.e., from consumer to uh, to SaaS investment? Do you think there is uh, there are uh, there is a, a set of skill that could be applied uh, on both sides, or do you think that it's impossible because uh, uh, there is the irrationality of uh, the consumer uh, behavior, uh, the uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the the B2B SaaS uh, space is a bit a bit more. I mean, you can predict it uh, a bit more uh, in detail because uh, there, there, there are some, some behaviors that, uh, some patterns. Uh, so, so when considering uh, being an investor in VC, do you think that uh, one day you could, uh, you could, uh, you could switch and uh, move uh, either way uh, because of some uh, skill sets that could be applied uh, uh, across those two uh, types of uh, investment? Yeah, I, I, I mean, look, it is possible. Because it's a question we have uh, very often, uh, young VCs. Uh, I like consumer, I like also P2B SaaS, I don't know what to do. So it's very mm. difficult to tell them uh, what to do because uh, those two uh, types of investment are really different from one another. But maybe as, a, as an expert and as a professional, you, you, you could uh, give us some hints on what you see as a common route between those two. Yeah, I, I, I think... I mean, in most funds, there is uh, that, that I noticed either uh, feces are on the on the on the software side or on the consumer side uh, a little bit more, uh, and specifically the the, the the differentiation between B 2 B and B 2 C. Uh, I, I do th I absolutely do think you can switch. It just requires a, a little bit more reading into um, and and a deeper understanding. But I mean, I, I would my best hunch would be because I, I did two consumer-ish type deals when I was still at Columbia Lake Partners, but the, the far majority has been B two B software. Um, so I'm a little bit familiar. I I think you know 90% of the work overlaps, but when it comes to you know the the the, the fine analysis and really feeling an investment. I think you have to pick a side and it's okay to just stick with one side because I think that both, both markets are large enough to, to, you know, um, to, to basically split up and, and develop some sort of level of expertise in either one of them. I, I think I would feel more uncomfortable picking my career on a specific sector, which I see many VCs do. They say, Oh, I'm an expert in, and then fill in the dots. It could be healthcare. It could be, um, uh, fintech, it could be insurance specifically, or, or um, industry 4.0 is now a hot one. And, and I feel a little bit more uncomfortable with that, because then you, your reputation as a VC lives and dies with 
that particular industry and it's a it's a lot of work to get uh, up to the curve uh, whereas picking either sites on the consumer or, or on the b2b software side is uh, yeah feels more feels more natural yeah so it's possible to switch from one side to the other but it's preferable that you stick to one side because you can build this level of expertise which in the end is your reputation and in the end is the asset uh, the entrepreneur is going to to look for Absolutely. When, when looking at your door. Um, uh, maybe we, we, we'll go back. I mean, uh, we didn't uh, speak too much about uh, Notion, but uh, we will have to understand why Notion decided to move a bit uh, further uh, in terms of uh, maturity from seed to uh, Series A, Series B. But before that, uh, I'd like to know uh, how were the first meetings you, 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 you had with the startups when joining uh, Notion because you, you were, were wearing a different hat. So you, you had to, to, to have a different perspective. So how did you, uh, how did you put yourself in, into this new role as a VC when meeting the founders? Uh, did you have to... Um, to uh, to adapt uh, the, the way you were uh, trying to understand uh, their vision and what they were doing uh, and yes how did you how did how did you did you do so yeah I, I started listening in on a few calls and meetings and and took like one or two questions at the end kind of more symbolic right um, and, and soon enough I, I built just to my wave own. your hand I'm here exactly exactly <laughs> to, to make sure I'm, I'm not just a note keeper in the room um, and uh, but yeah soon enough I built my, my own template of, of, of questions I looked at the, the the notion investment papers and and got familiar with what what type of areas do they like to cover when when they look at a new investment and so I kind of de developed my own standardized template learned it by heart and then went into those meetings and and probably came across as too robotic right um, because I really was I was panicking internally because the, the founders always move on to this particular path that excites them and I like frantically try to bring them back onto the, the main topic of conversation so that I have only one hour to, to answer all of these questions that I had on my sheet and um, I, I think in the end that, that helped me a lot because you, you kind of roughly know where you want the conversation to go. But I also think going by a template only, uh, you, you very soon get bored and I don't think you build uh, great relationships with the founders. And so uh, over time, I threw that overboard. Um, now, I, I, think, I think I now really use my, my curiosity as a As, as, a, as a guidance in the conversation. I'm less concerned about like, you know, do I have all the latest numbers and you know, how, how much of the cap table does the management still own? And you know, do I have the exact numbers on the market size already? And I just, I just try to figure out what, what makes this company stand out from everything else I've seen. What is something unique about this company? And I just ask a load of questions about that. And actually that, that, that comes across more genuine. Uh, I think I have much more pleasant conversations with founders now. And, and if I miss any questions, I just follow up by email and, and just ask them to, uh, to just fill in the dots for me to make sure I, I do also some, some box ticking exercise uh, on that front. So you, you, what you, you're saying is very important because uh, even at a later stage, so not at seed, but series A, series B, you are still, you still have as an investor to, uh, to put forward your curiosity and uh, not so much uh, try to tick the box, as you said. Otherwise, uh, you're, you are missing uh, the, uh, the larger part of, uh, the, of the story. If you're not uh, uh, curious enough, you need to, um, to, to, uh, 
to let the speech go and uh, let the conversation go to uh, to understand uh, the vision and what they're doing even though at uh, such a stage series a series b there is a lot in terms of figures to analyze and to to talk about yeah yeah absolutely and i do i the figures i can do in my own time and i often don't need much explanation right um, um but, but but getting the story out of the founder and, and really seeing what's what sticks uh, I, I think that's still what what VCs uh, until you know maybe even the Series C D uh, E stage just is is all about because we're all looking for the, 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 those few companies that ultimately have the X factor and, and can become a unicorn um, and, and and you can't see that in the numbers always. All right, very clear. Um, can you tell us a bit more about uh, Notion and in, in particular? Uh, and the reason why Notion decided to move a bit away from pure seed to uh, to A and B, what's uh, what's the rationale behind it, and uh, how has uh, before that uh, how has uh, Notion started? Yeah, I, ca I can uh, give you a little bit of background. So, so uh, kind of generally speaking, Notion is a B two B software only investor. So, so in that sense, we're we're quite unique, right? Um, uh, having made over 65 investments now over the past 10 years. So we started out 10 years ago and actually that was uh, indirectly on the back of, uh, of an exit uh, of a very large software company. I believe they were at the time the, the, the world's third largest. It was a company called Message Labs, a software security company that scanned emails going into and out of organizations for traces of viruses. And the company started in 2000 and, and in the next seven, eight years, they grew to 150 million in annual recurring revenue. Um, and, and it's a, a tremendously large company. And it was that team that built, skilled, and ultimately exited the company. They exited to Symantec in 2008 uh, during the financial crisis for, for $700 million. So, so close to a unicorn status. Um, and it was that team that, you know, from, from one day to... Sorry, was yeah, that before Lehman or just after Lehman? Story. That, that, that was just after. Yeah. Okay. The, the IP so they, they were actually planning to do an IPO on the NASDAQ in, in end of 2008. And... Um, um, and yeah, two months prior to the listing, they, they saw that the IPO market looked, looked quite unfavorable at the time, right? Um, and, and, and really turned. And, and that's when they decided to take the offer uh, of Symantec. Um, and, and at that point, you know, they, they, they were free, free men in this case. Um, and, uh, and were thinking about what to do next. And then the opportunity for, for like, or, or the idea arose for an angel fund to kind of support the next generation of, of B2B software entrepreneurs. Uh, but with also with a different premise, they wanted to be the investors that they never had when they uh, built the business. So the ones with actual entrepreneurial empathy um, and, and a real understanding of what it takes to build a really large business. And, and so that was how Notion originally was, was founded and, and ultimately grew into a VC fund over time. All right. Uh, so, how many uh, GP from uh, Notion uh, were already teaming up uh, before founding uh, uh, Notion? So, part of uh, the team that exited to Simon Tech. Yeah, I, I believe they were at the time with the six of them. Uh, then one of them dropped out, figured out that uh, that they weren't quite liking the whole VC investing space, uh, which can be. And so, I think uh, we were left with five of the. Of, of the previous management team that are now the partners at Notion. Wow, so it's something which is quite uh, unusual to, 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 to have uh, uh, such a team uh, uh, continuing uh, 
teaming up together in a different role. It's uh, it's quite unusual, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. And they come all from their kind of respective backgrounds chipping into the investment committee meetings, which is uh, which is great to learn from uh, for, for my sake. Right. Having not uh, had the operational uh, experience that they have, uh, which was frankly also one of the reasons why I joined uh, Notion uh, to be able to learn from the people who have done it before um, and, and, and kind of learn from each of their respective fields, you know, from from what it takes to to be a great CFO or, or a great uh, sales leader. So the team started to invest uh, at seed, and uh, why did they decide to, uh, to 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 go a bit uh, a bit later in, in terms of uh, stage? What was the trigger? Or was that because uh, they, they had a few exits, and then uh, they were uh, successful in raising uh, new funds, larger fund, and then it's uh, it may be harder to deploy larger fund at uh, very early stages because you have to to do many many tickets. Uh, what's uh, maybe it's not the the reason at all. Can you drive us a bit into this decision to move away uh, from seed to Series A? Yeah, you're well aware of the trends in the VC industry. I, I love that um, uh, kind of raising a, a too big of a fund and then your check size has to go up. Um, I mean, there might be a minor uh, relation to that. I don't think it's the case for our fund. Our fund is quite uh, well conservative in, in that sense on, on to, in terms of size and what we want to raise in order to do and keep on doing kind of the Series A investments. I think I think we figured out um, that there was more of a natural fit at the Series A at that point. You know, the, the companies have found a little bit of a product market fit and we have proven to be much more useful in helping companies internationalize and scale up when there is an initial kind of machine that, that is working and that is proven to be working. Um, and, and that's where we have had most of our successes so far and does make sense to kind of double down on those and, and honing on those. And also we, we kind of now um, qu quite recently in the last couple of years uh, launched our own platform um, team um, and so the notion platform is where all the you know speakers come in on a on usually a bi-weekly basis world-class people uh, that, that tell all the tricks of the trade uh, they have done it before a couple of times successfully and educate our entire portfolio and I think in order to grasp the learnings of that you know platform forum uh, you, you need to you need to have a working machine and, and wanting to nail the details. Um, it, it's hard to convey for every single startup company uh, that is pre-product market fit what they should do because they're all so different in that stage and are just figuring out, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, going through iterations and see what sticks, which, which is... Uh, a process that at least my, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm less conversed with. Um, and, and, and I could see that us as a team, we were, we were much stronger in helping out in the next stage. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very clear. Um, maybe to go back, uh, on, on you uh, as an investor, um, can you maybe explain, maybe pick up um, an investment you did or maybe uh, an investment that you uh, initiated uh, in, in the deal flow that uh, you, you are managing and maybe drive us into the decision-making process, uh, how uh, you and the team has come up with the decision to invest and uh, how was uh, the due diligence process uh, uh, before closing the deal? Uh, can you maybe uh, drive us into... Uh, an illustration of uh, how you decide to 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 invest uh, at Notion. Yeah, I can I can do that. Um, if you can do so. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, there, there's some some things I can I can share around it. So actually, my first investment, which, which is kind of like, you know, a, a little pride, right? When when you do your first investment for a fund, it, it it kind of feels like a big achievement. And for me, that came in, you know, in around June last year. At the at the time, I I was just over a year working at Notion. And so the pressure starts to rise a little bit, right? Um, uh, usually you kind of want to do about one deal a year and, and kind of as, as, as at least a junior to really show that you're good at sourcing investments and that they also finally follow through. And so my deal come, came just after the, 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 the official year mark and, uh, <laughs> and it was a company called Brighter. Um, and, and Brighter is, is, a, is a, a Germany-based uh, company that offers uh, decision automation software for knowledge workers uh, and so how they translate is um, uh, they, they sell to legal firms uh, and for example if you take the COVID case they have a lot of these legal firms have a lot of applications from 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 companies like oh do I qualify for any you know government funding scheme um, and and so what what their what their software is doing and they allow you to to make automated workflows and so in the COVID case that can mean um, that that uh, the law firms can put a widget on their website uh, whereby companies themselves can fill out you know a 10, 10, 10 questions uh, questionnaire and it automatically you know gives the decision on whether they are eligible for funding as well as you know automatically generate a, a document for them that they can use to send uh, to, to any national agency or whatever it might be. So this would be a very simple use case to uh, make you understand of like uh, how does the software actually work. And, and I reached out to Michael. Michael is the, the, the CEO and founder of the company uh, actually through LinkedIn, um, which is probably not the most sexy uh, approach to, to uh, reach founders, but it certainly uh, helps in my case. I always write a very personalized message and, and I, I texted them and said, like, I'm really intrigued by, by the software you're building. Um, and I would like to have an introduction call. And so he came back to me and said, well, actually, we're in the middle of fundraising right now. You're actually already a bit late to the process. But uh, I can, I can uh, send over a pitch deck. And if you're fast, we can do a call. Um, and, and so I said, please, please Some send pressure. it pressure. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you know that. Pressure building. Exactly. That, that, that kickstarts my fear of missing out, right? And so, uh, so, so I said, not a worry. I'll turn it around over the weekend. I get back to you immediately. Um, and and so, so it was uh, done. And so I got the pitch deck. Really liked it. Uh, scheduled the call, um, which went which went well. Um, at the time, I was very impressed by how they just they just kind of launched the product, but already had like big names um, signed up like Deloitte, Baker McKinsey, uh, ING, uh, and, and a couple of other like large financial or legal institutions. And, um, and so uh, what, I, what I then had to do is I had to present uh, Brighter in our Tuesday meeting uh, in front of, of the whole partnership. Um, and that's always kind of like a a bit, a bit of a tense moment for me because that, that's the moment where you hope that someone in the team will lift their hand up to adopt the deal. Uh, mm -hmm. and otherwise, you have kind of a little walk of shame. Um, <laughs> and, and so you don't want to do that too often. So, uh, so there I was, you know, presenting this company that was actually a little bit on the early side for us at the time. 
um, as I said, just launched a product growing very fast, but, but revenue-wise are oh, at the very minimum metrics at the time. And, um, um, and, and luckily, one of the partners said, like, well, I'm actually very interested to look at, look at the company with you, um, and why don't we set up a call? Uh, and so that led to a second call, which then led to, you know, full, full, full uh, meetings, uh, on, online meetings with, uh, with the entire management team, uh, customer calls, uh, deeper due diligence on, you know, what the market is and, and, and what, what, what people in the leadership team they could add, uh, but also, you know, the, the initial financial information that they had and mostly, of course, the pipeline. Uh, so, so how quick can they grow? Uh, and I wrote all of that in kind of a long form investment memo. Um, it was about like 20 pages, maybe. Um, I, I'm probably the ones, one writing the longest investment papers on the team. Uh, I have a reputation build up for that. But um, um, yeah, I, I presented that. Uh, the company came in to present at the very final stages and got in, in, in an absolute kind of uh, question fire frenzy from our team uh, where everyone chipped in with kind of like their specific knowledge areas um and 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 ultimately that got through we issued the term sheet and it got accepted so that that's kind of how my first investment went um um at notion and um at notion uh, are you empowered uh, with a deal from uh, identification of uh, of it uh, up until uh, the terms or what's the what's uh, how is it like at notion yeah in, in general notion isn't too kind of strict in what you can and can't do actually they say you can do everything on, on, until it's proven you can't do it so um so yeah I, I, I was actually running the whole process to be honest at the time I was I was I was traveling quite a lot because it was conference season so the actual mm -hmm. the actual uh negotiation of the terms uh I left to the partner and the legals I, I left to uh to our mm -hmm. in-house lawyer as well uh, could have taken it on if I wanted to, but uh, but I mean it's not something that it is. It was a bit uh, hectic as a period to uh, to, uh, to be part exactly, of the uh, process. Exactly. Okay, okay. And uh, since you joined, um, have you changed a bit uh, the way uh, you're looking at uh, uh, investment opportunities, or are you still um, having the same? Uh, uh, focus and the same way of uh, analyzing uh, an opportunity or have you changed already over those uh, two and a half years that have uh, passed since you, you joined Notion? What, what have been your, your learnings uh, since, uh, since you joined that have uh, maybe shaped the way you are uh, assessing an opportunity? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, as I alluded to previously, I was very yeah. much trained on financial models. And, and so I had to refrain myself during a first meeting with the founder, not to just start asking the number questions, right? Um, and, and, and just patiently sit and listen to the full story and then ask my, my number questions. And I, I kind of come back to that now. I still think that numbers are, are for me, a very important way to assess a business. But I also learned that, uh, you know, the, the importance of teams, I really undervalued teams at the time and, and, and how that in affects the business later on, you know, in terms of ambition levels, but also in terms of do they have the, the, the ability to kind of get other game changers on board. And not every founder has that, right? They can be a great founder, but, but they also need to really be good at selling and believing in their own story, which then attracts, you know, the right other talents for their business, which then, you know, leads to even bigger outcomes. So I, I under, underestimated that part of the process. I also um, 
didn't have such an appreciation at the time for vision. That, that was something that was a little bit vague to me and everyone could have a nice story about a vision. Uh, but I come to, you know, really, uh, yeah, I've, I've come back on that just because I believe that at a certain point when a company is growing um, and, and, you know, if they grow three times on, on a 1 million uh, revenue basis, that's great, but it's, it's harder to keep the three times when you're on a 10 million revenue basis, right? Just because of the, 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 the law of big numbers. And, um, and so there needs to be something externally continuously feeding in and pushing the growth rate back up again the moment it starts, you know, flattening out. Uh, the actual growth starts flattening out, which is a natural phenomenon. Um, and, and so that is where, where the vision comes in. That's where the, the deeper tech roadmap comes in to play, whereby you can say like, you know, in a year from now, I, I uh, you know, I launch an analytics tool, which then has a huge new uptick of clients. And then two years from now, I launch a marketplace, which, you know, brings some virality aspect, whereby, you know, um, everyone who buys certain software modules can also, you know, share software modules that they built, and then more people start using the platform. And so that's how you kind of keep on pushing the growth rate up and up, or at least keep it at a steady number so that you can grow as quickly as possible to that 100 million revenue figure that everyone wants to see. And so kind of the, the vision and, and the importance of the teams is something that, that I really learned that notion. Um, yeah, and this is also something that is implemented at the level of Notion. I mean, uh, uh, from what I, I understand uh, at Notion, uh, you, you have a strong uh, transparency uh, and uh, maybe pass to uh, to progress uh, when being uh, a team member at Notion. So what you apply as a investment assessment, you apply it as well to your own team, from what I understand. Absolutely, I, I would say so. And and from from a tech perspective, even even us, uh, my, my colleague uh, was actually hired as a as an ex developer um, who is now building in house tools for Notion, right? To to better assess new opportunities or making sure that we don't miss any opportunities. So it, it's really about like eating your own dog food in this case, and 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 and, and living what you what you preach. We covered a bit, I mean, not a bit, but uh, quite a lot, uh, the way you uh, assess an opportunity. Uh, maybe uh, what could be interesting as well is to understand how you prepare a board, because uh, I think you're an observer on, uh, on three boards, right? Uh, you are a board observer uh, on Dixa, HeyJob, and I think a third company, I, I forgot uh, its name, um, right? Yeah, Mew Systems. That, that's right. New yeah, system, and yeah. I, I'm actually on the on the board of a few more companies uh, where I at least attend the board meetings of. Um, uh, but but that's absolutely correct. It's uh it's something I've been starting uh, since the start of last year. So so 2019 was when I started my first board. Um, very nervous at the time, right? You have no idea what you're letting yourself into. Um, boards always sound sound the the the, the idea sound much bigger than than. I learned uh, that you find in practice, uh, but I'm still at the beginning of my, my learning curve. So um, it, it, it's a good question to answer how, how, I, how I approach board meetings. Um, I think usually, you know, you always hope that the founder shares the, the, the board materials a couple of days in advance. And usually you find that it's only, you know, less than 24 hours in advance, which uh, at which point there's a little bit of a panic on my side. Uh, and so, <laughs> 
I, I, I always try to, you know, keep my keep my agenda a little bit open so that I can uh, can can um, <laughs> deal with any last minute emergencies uh, because I tend to take a lot of time over these things. Um, I, I'm a newbie on, on 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 the board and I want to make sure that I do as well as I can. So so it, it kind of goes something like this: I, I open the board deck, uh, I start reading it and and jot down all the questions that I have and don't understand. Uh, and then I reread it again, uh, but then start looking for things that, you know, are, are questions that I have, but that are not covered in the materials. Uh, so really thinking about, well, what, what do I miss? Is, is there anything strategically, you know, uh, that, that we should cover? And then I read for a third time, which is more about, you know, what, what, is, what was the strategic vision that we lined out for this particular company? And, and, and are there any particular topics that, that haven't been discussed at all and that I want to be on there to, in order to realize that vision? And so it, it, it takes, you know, a good couple of hours to do these three iterations of, of the board deck. Um, and, and at that point, uh, I, I usually, you know, send out an email to, to the founder with all the questions that I have. Uh, and then I might send an email to the other board members kind of more around the strategic alignment. So I think as, as a board and especially as a VC, uh, if there's other VC investors on the board, you kind of want to be roughly aligned on the ideas. And so I think I find it quite important to, you know, send out a couple of strategic topics that I like to discuss and, and kind of just, you know, high level uh, briefly discuss with the, with the other board members so that we can, you know, uh, go into more detail during the board meeting but but one one trend actually i've been observing is that um we actually move a little bit away from the traditional way of of how board meetings have been done and basically split the board meeting into two parts there is a pre-board meeting whereby actually the whole traditional board meeting is done but then fully online so people start asking questions on the basis of the board materials start asking updates uh you know a feed in input for for strategic topics and then there is the actual board meeting where, where you only discuss maybe one or two topics for an entire three or four hour period. And I think that that will be the, the, the boards as designed for the future. I think, you know, if you spend every quarter the first two hours, you know, going through all the updates, then there's only an hour left for strategic discussions. And if you do all of that online before, then you can have a full three hours for, you know, one or two big strategic topics like you know how 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 are we actually dealing with COVID specifically um do we need to do any any uh you know reduction of costs um uh, how is the team morale under this period or should we retract from the u.s market if it's not going too well or should we change the pricing of the contract and we can have a toro like deep discussion for for an hour or longer on each of these topics and i think that is the most valuable thing you can do with your board uh, and so that's kind of where i'm trying to steer onto with uh, with with the boards i'm on and uh, the, the pre-board and the board, is it uh, still something, uh, a place where you discover the strategic uh, discussion or uh, uh, has it changed? Because uh, from uh, uh, my understanding, um, things, uh, I mean, a relationship between an investor and a, and a funding team should be, uh, should be happening anytime. So maybe all those strategic decisions should come up already in between a board meeting. So is a board meeting still the place where a strategic discussion are discovered uh, from you and then uh, are discussed or, or not? I, I see it, Mir, as you, you're continuously 
keeping tabs on the company and most of the companies also send you know every every month kind of a, a little update on on the financial figures mostly and during the board meetings are usually quarterly so so in that quarter you do, do kind of small things with with the company and, and do keep tabs on them and if they need anything or if, if if you see anyone in your network that might be relevant you continue to share that i do think that a, an actual board meeting uh, and you usually fly over for these board meetings is is the only time where the full board uh, can take the time you know no phones no 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 other distractions and take the full three four hours to just brainstorm to really just feed off of each other um, and, and, and kind of take in the granular detail of the company together with the founders, together with the other investors, and, and hopefully also an independent board member, right? Um, to, to give a bit of a of more of an industry perspective on things. And, and I think that is the unique moment that you want to grasp and you want to grasp it in the right way. And, and I think you need some to have some focus time because most of these decisions are so big in my eyes, right? They, they're really about the strategic pivoting usually or, or mini pivoting of the company um, uh, that, that, you, that you do want to have put in quite some consideration. But yeah, I, I mean, usually the topics are already, you know, uh, decided on before the board meeting and sure. everyone has been doing their research. It just gets gets formalized it, mm -hmm. and it gets uh, gets discussed deeper in the board meeting. Okay. Do you have a story that uh, you could share? Uh, maybe obviously keeping uh, anonymous the name of uh, the company, but something that was, uh, I mean, a memorable uh, board meeting where you, you experienced something very different from uh, uh, all the other board meetings that you had, uh, either with the, this company or in general. Uh, have, you, uh, have you gone through, uh, through a board meeting uh, that was totally unexpected uh, in terms of maybe, I don't know, mindset, behavior, things decided, big things uh, turned down or big things uh, uh, adopted? Yeah, I, th I think, I mean, one, one specific use case I, 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 I'm happy to tell a little bit more about um, was, you know, with this whole crisis over the last couple of months uh, it, has, it has hit all the startup founders really hard right M mentally uh, because you know uh, you, you always look at the cost base and all these companies of ours are, are you know not yet break even so you're very much focused on, on, on ca the cash runway and so there were a couple of companies in, in our portfolio that, that had to you know furlough or whatever local local government initiative there is to temporarily reduce the the, the work amount and the pay pay uh, the salary levels of of um, of certain employees or even you know letting a few of them go and so so what one one particular company uh, i recall like there was there was a very intense board meeting because it, you know some hard decisions had to be made but at the same time it was the month where we signed one of the largest contracts uh, for this company. And, and so it felt really double to kind of, you know, um, uh, have some people being put on hold, if you will, uh, for lack of better wording, uh, and at the same time celebrate. And so we, we had a board meeting where, you know, the, the, the first half was, was all tears, uh, and, and the founder found it so ever so difficult. Uh, and, and, and the second half of the board meeting, we actually had a lot, a lot of laughter, but also could look at the bright side of things. Um, and, and that was probably the, the one that, that most stuck with me just because you, you kind of had to, you had to take both roles, right? And I find it myself quite difficult because I am the one that is acting on behalf of Notion and we act on behalf of the limited partners that invest in our fund. And so in order for us to do good, 
we need to sometimes make make t- tough decisions, right? Or at least propose tough decisions. And 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 at that point, you're you might not be fully aligned with the startup founder um, who is taking a more emotional stance, right? Uh, and and so that I found just just this whole experience of of this crisis. Um, uh, but also the, the good things that it brought is, is, is just something that, uh, that, that will stuck, is st- stick with me for, for a long time. And also because it's my first crisis that I'm going through as a VC. So I'm just kind of like, you know, soaking up as much learnings as I can. Um, and, and, and also knowing how to, how to deal with people a lot. I think it has a lot to do with um, how do you deal with people in the right way? How do you keep the team morale high when not everything in the company is going high um, at, at these times? You touched based a bit on the, the current situation, the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Uh, has it changed uh, a bit uh, the trends you are looking at? Uh, do, are you shifting your focus on uh, some trends that were not uh, on the top of the pile before the crisis, but now uh, maybe uh, you are turning a bit more attention to them? Um, can you elaborate a bit on the, the trends you are looking at at the moment? Uh, those ones that uh, you think uh, uh, may have uh, an increased momentum uh, thanks to the crisis? Yeah, I think I think in general every VC right now is honed in to who are the winners in this space, right? And, and can we still invest in them? But I think what will, will happen as a second wave is what what are startups that deal with the repercussions from working from home? So so think about you know Spotify, Facebook, Twitter. They all have announced that they will let employees work from home at least until the end of the year. Which, which for many people works great, uh, but I also see kind of a rise in that case in, you know, m- maybe we need virtual coaches. I mean, if, if you're not in the office all the time, and I know that when I just started out, uh, Notion being a, a partially remote team, it's hard to kind of only educate yourself, right? Or, or rely on phone calls to get yourself educated. And so, so I think what will happen in the near future is that there will be an enormous demand for, for people like psychologists or work coaches or uh, experienced people that take on a more mentorship type role and that can come in the form of a startup. Um, so, so that is one of the trends I'm betting on, uh, but also, you know, remote workflow optimization, things like uh, our, our in investment into ULife, which is a um, insurance um, uh, product that is sold to companies, enterprises, uh, but comes with an employee app, which uh, takes care of your mental health being. It comes with like, uh, you know, a doctor on call 24-7 a day. That is something that was an initial trend that started before this crisis hit but is is getting much more importance right now because i don't think we fully oversee the the repercussions uh that that you know dealing with a crisis and working from home brings to you also in the long run right on how you can be productive so that's one trend i think a second trend uh which is more general and i and i've always kind of been honed in on that or at least over the last year is is you know we have a, a huge big data problem all, all the companies that i've spoken to over over the years have been very massive on acquiring data and just storing data in the hope that they can do something related to that data over time uh, so think about sensor data but also customer data oh everywhere you go you have to accept cookies and give some of your personal data away uh, and that's great for these companies because they hope in the future to figure out, you know, what other products they can sell to you, etc. Um, but we have a, a huge problem right now that we 
we're, we're soaking in data, but we don't know what to do with it and we don't know how to analyze it. And if you look at, for example, uh, Indeed, Indeed is a job board, right? Um, the, the postings for, you know, a data scientists or people who actually understand and can deal with data and derive insights from it, uh, th those postings have gone up 29% year on year, but the actual supply of data scientists has only gone up 14% year on year. And so I think there is a, a massive kind of divergence occurring about people who can deal with data and derive insight um, and, 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 and kind of what we need in this world right now. And so I think that that is a bet, you know, things like automated machine learning models and how to deploy them, um, you know, um, uh, kind of tools that, that uh, visualize your database and derive automatic insights from that. Those are the tools that I think will, will be big in, in, in the next year. Okay, very clear, very clear. And do you think that uh, this uh, situation uh, would uh, would bring founders to change a bit the way they, they will raise funds in the pitch deck? Do you think that uh, they will have to, to amend uh, a, a bit uh, the, the, the way they, uh, they articulate uh, their vision with uh, the execution and the market and etc., the recruiting and the use of proceeds when raising funds? Do you think that they will have to change uh what they, what they tell you when they're trying to raise funds with you or um, things will, will go back to normal and uh, fundraising will go back to normal as well yeah it, it's hard to define whether it will be fully back to normal i think i think that's the question everyone is asking themselves right um what what i mean if i'm looking at myself and i'm i'm, I'm only the best expert i can be on this particular minor field that i am but um i i, I think you know For, for now, I haven't seen major changes. I, I only saw the change in deal flow, right? Uh, when on the, at the onset in March, everything was like still very busy. At the end of March, uh, I, I couldn't find a startup that was still racing. It seemed like they all retracted and went back to the, their existing investors to demand kind of more capital uh, and do internal rounds. Uh, and now the market is, is actually seemingly back to normal, I find. Uh, and also in terms of investments, we, we just closed or we are in the process of closing to investments that we signed fully online and during this, this whole uh, crisis. Um, so I don't have the feeling or I don't see right now what, what, what startups actually can change. I do know of, of, of multiple funds that are not yet comfortable with the full online process and how to sign off on that. Uh, but, but, you know, in many European countries, they're slowly, slowly, you know, making the first steps even back into the office. And so, Um, uh, so we might be, if we're lucky, uh, get, getting to, to some normal back. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily see if that's a new normal or the old normal. Uh, but for now, I, I don't have any particular recommendations to founders other than, you know, just being, being open as to, you know, if, if there is a revision of the forecast, uh, that, that's totally possible, right? We, we, we get that. Um, so, so no need for promises of a, of, of a 3x, if, if a 2x, or, or sometimes even, you know, a, a slightly lesser growth is, is okay in this environment if you're in a particular sector that, that might be hard hit. Okay, yeah, that's, uh, that's very clear. All right, uh, okay, so I think uh, the hour is up. So that was uh, very cool to have you uh, today in uh, our podcast. So we uh, understood, I think, uh, quite uh, clearly uh, how you are as an investor uh, uh, in the background of uh, uh, 
um, with, the, with Notion as a background. Um, and uh, maybe one last thing, if uh, we have entrepreneurs willing to engage a conversation with you, what's the best way to, to contact you? Uh, absolutely shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I should be fairly responsive on that. Um, yeah, and looking forward to, to everyone uh, to, to send me more questions. Uh, always happy to, to kind of hear what people have to say. And also any investment opportunities or just, you know, general knowledge sharing is, is something I love to do. So yeah, please, please reach out to me on, uh, on LinkedIn would be the best channel. Excellent. All right, cool. So Diawa is up and uh, thank you again, Stephanie, for your time and uh, all your insights. And thank <laughs> you cool. again for hosting me. This is uh, terrific and great <laughs> that you're organizing this. I think uh, many people can, can benefit in some way or another uh, from this. Everything uh, goes to the quality of the guest, uh, which is a top notch today. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take that compliment then. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. Have a good evening. All right. Hey, have a good evening. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.